Welcome to season two of This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley, brought to you by The Bold Italic. I'm your host, Sunil Rajaraman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Yasha Kekis-Wolf. What do you get when you cross a brilliant product manager, a podcast host, a community-building sci-fi lover, and a Giants fan? You get today's guest. Veronica Belmont is is really a great San Franciscan. A great San Franciscan that didn't come from San Francisco, but absolutely owns it here. Different neighborhoods, aware of sports, cares about politics and social interactions. Veronica is kind of the whole real deal here. Yeah, she's a real deal. She's extremely down to earth. And uh, I love her passion about local politics. Yeah, we had a great time talking to Veronica. This is a great episode. You're going to love it. Give it a listen. Veronica, we really appreciate you coming on to This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Are you a Bay Area native? I am not. Uh, not technically, no. Not technically. Well, let's talk about the technicality of being a Bay Area native. Where did you grow up? I very far away from here in Connecticut. In Connecticut? Did you play lacrosse? <laughs> That's a requirement, no, right? I did not at all. No, I, I played tennis, though. That's yeah. very awesome. Oh, I was, a, I was a tennis player. I was a collegiate tennis player. Uh, big, big tennis fan. Right what, on. Uh, what, uh, were you singles or doubles? Both, actually, uh, but mostly doubles. Sunil was a star in the Skyak League uh, down in Southern great. California, which is a very competitive league of liberal arts colleges. I don't yeah. know if you knew that. Or not. Well, so Veronica went to a liberal arts college, I believe. I did. And actually, how I found out that I got accepted into Emerson was the tennis coach called me uh, before I received my acceptance letter and said, Hey, so are you going to join the tennis team? Are you going to play tennis for us? And I was like, Does that mean I got into the college? And he was like, oh, I can't speak to that. Uh, you'll just have to wait for your acceptance letter. And I was like, okay, all right, meh, okay. Did you play college tennis? I did not, no. I was way too into what I was working on school-wise. I just, I was pretty like heads down. When you were growing up in Connecticut and then to school at Emerson, did you think that the Bay Area would ever be your home? Did you, was it ever like a glistening, like, I think I would be interested to live out there? You know, not at all. San Francisco to me was just this mythological place, this like Narnia across the country. Like I had no idea what it was about other than what I saw on television or in movies. Um, it was not at all even part of my plan until right before graduation, uh, basically. Um, I had been, I was dating someone and we were supposed to move to Philadelphia together and then uh, we broke up and then I kind of didn't have an idea of what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. And two of my best girlfriends were moving out here and so I basically just hopped in the car with them and drove cross country and ended up in San Francisco. So you end up in San Francisco, but, you know, I mean, people know who you are. Uh, and I feel like you've been rather prolific in your career. You're well known in sort of science fiction circles. I remember Mahalo Daily. <laughs> no, you don't. I do. Okay. Um, in fact, I was in Mahalo's offices. I, I used to live in LA uh, many, many times. Uh, so, awesome. uh, but I feel like, you know, you do a lot of stuff. But I want to get to know Veronica, the Bay Area resident. So tell us about your life here. You know, what is it like? What do you like to do? Where do you like to go? Um, wow, that's a that's a big question. Um, yeah, so I've been out here since uh, 04. 
Uh, so it's been it's been a good amount of time now. I, I will almost have lived here longer than anywhere else at this point. So I, I really feel like San Francisco is home. I love San Francisco for so many different reasons. I think one of my top reasons is because it's so close to nature. Um, I think that's something that's really unique about the Bay Area is that you could feel like you're in a big city and then you just drive an hour and you're in the middle of a giant redwood forest and you can't hear anyone for miles around. Or you can drive four hours up to Tahoe and just be in the wilderness or Shasta or any number of like outdoorsy, fantastic places. And that was like a part of me that I had never explored until I got out here. Um, I always loved nature, but actually being able to go backpacking and being able to go from the ocean to the mountains in a few hours. Like it's, it's something that you don't get everywhere. And I think we're so extremely fortunate to be able to have those resources on hand. I thought you were going to say the Giants. I am a massive Giants fan. <laughs> oh, I got like a flag behind me somewhere. Um, yeah, baseball was always something I loved. And I grew up a Red Sox fan. So Red Sox still definitely my AL team. Love them. But yeah, there's something just, I mean, maybe I always rooted for an underdog. So coming into San Francisco and like, you know, the Giants were fine, but they weren't amazing. And then just seeing them rise so exponentially and, and getting to have so much success. Um, and now they're, you know, a little bit of an underdog again in certain ways. Do you think um, sports is uh, ingrained into the Bay Area culture? I mean, it is for you, but is it a part of what goes on around here? Oh, I, all of my neighbors are huge sports fans in one way or the other. I think I'm, I'm surrounded on all sides. I can tell whenever the games are on by massive Warriors fans. And then, yeah, people of the 49ers. It's just, it feels like a, a huge part. It feels like a sports city. And coming from Boston, especially, which is also a massive sports city. Like I, I felt some kinship there with the, just the, the really deep love for the team and doesn't feel bandwagony. Like I think people make fun of Giants fans sometimes and say, oh, you didn't like them until they started winning World Series. But I don't know if that's necessarily true. I feel like that that deep love was already really intrinsic to the vibe of San Francisco and the people who have been here for a long time. And they just really, they root for them. I totally buy that. When, when we moved here as a family, we're a family of five and we were in Portland most recently. When we moved down here, like sports isn't really a big part of Portland other than the Timbers. And that at the time that we left wasn't really that big of a deal. And we showed up here and it was the World Series and the Giants won. And our neighborhood ran out into the street and we're shooting off fireworks. And I, like our family didn't know what to do. Like, what is, is this, <laughs> yeah. is this normal? Kind of we were used to baseball rioting in Boston. So it was, yeah, it was not too weird. You're like, man, this is West Coast passive-aggressive fan-cheering stuff. Man. Yeah, those those West Coast fans. You know, Veronica, when you walk on the streets in San Francisco, do people recognize you? No, actually, more people recognize my dog at this point. <laughs> you know, it, it leads me into just over the past 10 years, and you've been, uh, you know, podcaster, you've been, you, you, you've been a media personality in short. What do you think about the the rise of celebrity culture in the Silicon Valley? So, you know, it feels like I want to say around around 2008, thereabouts, mm -hmm. Kevin Rose gets on on the cover mm -hmm. of a magazine and all of a sudden it becomes cool to become a celebrity here. You know, what's your reaction to that and what are your thoughts about celebrity in Silicon Valley? It's interesting because I feel like we don't have, I think maybe New York and of course LA with actual movie stars and stuff, it would be the closest comparisons. Um, because in, in New York, you have, you know, 
celebutants or like people who are in the society or fashion spaces. And those are kind of the local celebrities or people you see out and about on town. And in San Francisco, those are just like VCs or CEOs or or prominent people who are thought leaders in the technology space. And so that's kind of our equivalent. And it's I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I think people sometimes who get the most attention are just the biggest blowhards and they don't necessarily have the best things to say. They just are the loudest. And I think social media really helps kind of, you know, that that echo chamber keeps those things going in a really big way. So, you know, what I think is also good, though, about social media is that you have an opportunity to highlight voices that aren't necessarily being heard as much. Um, You know, that's something I try to do with my following is find the voices that need to be amplified and and share those more frequently or as much as I can and just kind of add some counterbalance to the noise. And you do have massive social media followings as, you know, people who are listening to this probably already are, are aware. You know, how often are you able to create real connections with social media followers? And are there any good stories you have as they relate to the Bay Area? Oh, yeah. I mean, frequently. Uh, so Sword and Laser, for example. Well, I, you know, I have to credit a lot of my my following with the fact that I was just a super early adopter on a lot of these platforms. And so I got on and started using them relatively early. I think I'm like 11,000 or something on Twitter. I joined in October of 06. Uh, Instagram also super early. And just being able to have like authentic conversations with people like from the beginning, some of the people I still talk to online, I've known for over a decade now on social media. And we have these online relationships that they don't feel any different from a lot of the in-person relationships that I have. And so it's it's not difficult to, to build connections. I have two women who I talk to on Instagram. I met one in person, one I've never met in person, and they're like some of my best friends that I talk to all the time. And that's like that's that's unique, I think, to our generation and to the the generation that's up and coming now. I would have to say probably the the closest like online relationships to real life relationships is through Sword and Laser. So Sword and Laser is a sci-fi fantasy book club that I started back in 07 uh, with my co-host Tom. And it was an online book club for for many, many years. And then we started doing kind of like in-person meetups in the cities that we lived in. And then uh, fans started doing their own meetups in person. So now we have meetups all over the country and that's pretty cool. Uh, but our San Francisco meetup is is great. We do it at Borderlands, uh, the sci-fi fantasy bookstore that's on Valencia Street. It's been there forever. Is now moving to Lower Hate, but you know that's understandable. I'll have to go to Lower Hate now, uh, or Upper Hate rather, and have to. I used to live there, so that's kind of like the joke. It's like, oh, now that I moved out of the neighborhood, now you're taking my favorite bookstore back to my old neighborhood, fine, whatever. But I'm just happy they're still going to be around. But being able to have that in-person connection and get to actually talk like a normal book club in person with a glass of tea and and get to see everybody. And like they, you know, people are having kids and relationships and getting to keep up with that throughout the years, both in person and online is really special. That, um, that sounds so idyllic. Like to actually meet up and be nice to people that you meet online yeah. and do that in your neighborhood. Is that like, is that really what the Bay Area is about to you? Is that how you like interact with the Bay Area? Or is I this want just, it to be. Yeah, but it's not really. You kind of sounded like when you were talking about celebrity that there's something underneath there of like there's a lot of blowhards and maybe a couple other pointed things. Like, are you optimistic about what's going on in the Bay Area right now? Like, when you see the future 10 years out in the Bay Area, is it a good place to be anymore? I want it to be, but I honestly, I don't know sometimes. I think there's just, there's so many problems that we're dealing with. And it's very hard for me as someone who, I mean, 
hard for me from a perspective of great privilege, of course, but, you know, seeing the the differences in income equality and the the stress and the strife that the industry that I belong to and work in is, is causing on people, it's stressful and it, it makes me feel shitty and it makes me feel bad and it makes me want to do more and help more. Um, but I just don't know how these problems are going to get solved. I feel like we just have... I think a lot of other cities have similar problems. I, I just, it seems like it's very hard to get anything done here. And I think this r recent like mayoral race is kind of highlighting a lot of the issues where to me, I, I mean, I'm not extremely political and up to speed on, on even the politics here in San Francisco, but it feels like the politicians are all saying a lot of the same things, just in slightly different ways. And I don't even know like who has the power, or the ability to get anything done anymore. And I don't know what the answers are. So I guess you want to endorse anybody for the mural race right now? Honestly, I'm not going to decide until I'm in that booth. I, I literally I have no idea who I'm going to vote for. You know, so Is as that a weird? no, that's that's not weird. We're we're hearing a lot of people conflicted and and undecided and. You know, we just had your former colleague Molly Wood as a guest oh, recently. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she brought up bringing back Jerry Brown <laughs> at some, <laughs> some point. Uh, and he would be maybe— That's an interesting idea. Maybe yeah. somebody who could, uh, who could fix the city. But I think this is a very, very tense time in the city. Let me ask mm -hmm. you, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned this as someone coming from a, great, a place of great privilege. Is there anything— you see that's low-hanging fruit that, you know, the tech industry or, you know, whatever should be doing right now to improve life in the Bay Area? Just something that's obvious. Oh, that's a really good question. You can't um, say scooters. <laughs> I don't know what to do about the scooters, man. That is, that's a wild problem or situation rather. Um, I feel like sometimes I'm just so shocked by the amount of money that big tech has. And it feels sometimes like, like just give some money to build some houses or just build some money to clean up some streets or adopt a street or do something and try to help like the homeless people in your area or near your office building in some meaningful kind of way. And maybe they are, and I just don't know about it. Or I'm, I'm, I know that a lot of those companies have like days of giving where they go out and they go to homeless shelters and help feed folks or, or do whatever. But it just, I think that's where I get frustrated because I, I know there's so much money floating around here, floating around here just mythically. Of course, you know what I mean. Yeah, but, no, no. Silicon Valley is the uh, rest of the country's ATM for, <laughs> for for politics and for pretty much everything else. I was just outside a little bit ago catching some cash. Oh, yeah. Were you? Yeah. 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 Was it's it, it was, on, someone was literally making it rain and you were just, just like, oh. If you walk up and down Embarcadero, like right before the bells ring at noon, there's cash flying everywhere. Fascinating. The, yeah, That's yeah, what the, the Tuesday noon siren is? It's the money siren? Not everybody knows that. That's a little bit of wow. a San Francisco trivia that we're happy to introduce here for the first time. And I'd love the uh, the economics lesson on how to avoid hyperinflation when that when that happens. <laughs> so, yeah, that's in the next episode. Okay. So anyway, you know, I'm not I'm not a business person. I'm not privy to the intricacies of how a lot of this stuff works. But it's just I can see how people are frustrated by the differences and how you hear about a company being bought for you know three hundred million dollars that makes an app that does something that doesn't feel all that beneficial to society. And like, damn, that's a lot of money. So yeah, that's just, I think, where the frustration comes from in many ways. What about, you know, outside of money, as someone with influence like, like you or others like you, is there something you could think of just with 
your followings alone that you know you could be doing to I don't know consolidate efforts in a specific area? Is there something that you think you could fix with influence alone? Yeah, I would love some ideas. That'd be amazing. I think definitely there's a lot of women and women of color and and people who want to start businesses or work in technology who might not be getting the same opportunities that that people with more you know availability for that have. And so being able to make connections for those types of people and be able to bring more access and, and diversity to to companies, I think you can kind of build that up and, and help make change from the inside. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the art scene in the Bay Area. There, I think a lot of the big arts organizations called the opera, the ballet, et cetera, are all struggling right now. They're trying to figure out kind of what they need to do next. How do they get attached to the new group of people that live here? But there's another kind of art scene that's thriving, and it's more in some of the pocket industries that are like uh, the tattoo artists and um, maybe the graffiti artists that are showing up in different places. Uh, I'm calling this out in particular because yesterday on Instagram, Veronica, you had uh, made mention of getting some tattoos or a tattoo. <laughs> what do you see going on in the artist community that makes you interested in getting tattoos here in the Bay Area over going back to Connecticut? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great scene out here. I think it's there's there's a lot of extremely talented artists. And I think, you know, San Francisco is the kind of place where you can feel like you can still be gainfully employed and have a lot of tattoos. Like that's not necessarily true still in a lot of places in, in the United States or industries, at least. Uh, but tech tends to be pretty laid back about that kind of stuff, at least in my my perspective. But yeah, there's a lot of great shops in in San Francisco um, and have been for many years. And I, I only recently got into tattoo art within the past few years or so. So I'm still pretty new to it myself. Where do you yeah, go? One, so I've gone to a couple places. I've gone to Temperance Tattoo, which is in the in the Tenderloin, and um, most recently Black Serum, which is down in the Mission, and actually is a block away from where I used to live. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool to get to like go back to that area and like get to experience a new shop and Black Serum's on Valencia, is that right? Yeah, it's Valencia and Fourteenth. We had a, a really cool episode in the first season where uh, we talked to Elaine, who's the founder of uh, Ritual, Ritual, Ritual Coffee. Coffee. And, oh, nice. And mm-hmm. she is one of the representatives that keeps Valencia Street kind of the way that it is, where there is uh, like zero tolerance or zero allowance for big box stores to come in. I think it's interesting right. that you can find great places like Black Serum that show up on Valencia as well. Yeah, there's, that there's something block, to that. though. That block on Valencia Street has is so different from when I lived there. Like when I lived there, it was like Four Barrel had just kind of moved in. And it was like, oh, that's that's a pretty cool like hip spot. Okay. Now that entire block is just like cool stuff and like very hip, very, you know, for better or for worse, depending on who you are. It's it's definitely changed a lot in, in that area of, of Valencia Street. I mean, definitely. And um, you know, we become almost so desensitized to how much stuff costs. So I'm curious. You know, with uh, with all of the new businesses coming in, et cetera, we all make purchases we feel bad about. Is there something that you bought recently in San Francisco that did I just really do that? Did I just spend twelve dollars on a piece of avocado toast, or is there a did I just do that moment that you can think of? I buy all my expensive shit online, you guys. I don't know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> You're like I had eighteen boxes on my <laughs> stoop, and no, that, you can't. Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, 
I'm like literally looking around my office, like what have I bought recently? That was, we have it. We do have a joke about the uh, avocado toast though. Every time I order avocado toast, which I tend to do quite a bit, my husband goes, well, great. Now we can't afford the mortgage. So, uh, Neil was very excited. We're, we're Bay Area people and Bay Area families, but neither of us live in San Francisco in particular. And um, Sunil and I got really excited. Or Sunil got really excited because there was an avocado toast shop that opened up right by his house. Then so, oh. so it's literally named Avocado Toast. <laughs> I walked in uh, and I didn't see any avocados. It looks like it's a rebranded Subway. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny how we get these food trends in the city. Uh, right now, I feel like it's really poke bowls is the is the hot item. Like every every store one. opening up is a poke bowl place. It, poke like it that went from uh, something somewhere to absolutely everywhere in the entire world in like a month. It was. Yeah. I was in Berlin a couple of weeks ago, and our, one of our local teammates that we're meeting with was like, "Let's go to lunch. Great new place. It's right by the office in Kreuzberg." And uh, we show up, and it's a poke bowl place. And I was like, "How did that happen? It was so fast. Fourteen. It's bucks. like a viral Just, spread. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without even thinking about it, you drop fourteen bucks. <laughs> Veronica, we we ask everybody that is on the show one question, which is. Uh, on the social networks that you're spending your time, or on the networks that you're spending your time, do you have a recommended follow or followers that you would recommend to the listeners here to go pay attention to? Oh, you already told me not to do kale salad. I can't do kale salad. I was only saying that I also like kale salad. That's all. But that's a good one. Um, oh, gosh. That's a really hard question because I follow so many people. Um, I'm still pretty obsessed with Anil Dash. I think he's like one of the great Twitter people of all time. Um, Andy Bio uh, is also a, a long, long time internet person who just knows everything about what's going on in internet culture and society. And he helps run the XOXO conference up in Portland, which is coming back this year, uh, which is one of my favorite events to go to of all time. So yeah, those two guys are, are absolutely fantastic. Sailor J is one of my new favorite social media followers, follows of all time. She doesn't follow me. It's okay. That was a Freudian slip. I just want her to so badly. Um, she's super cool. She does these amazing makeup tutorials, but they're not really makeup tutorials. They're actually like discussions about like social justice and, and rights. And it's, it's very funny. She's one of the funniest people I've ever heard. Those are, those are good ones. I, I do want to ask uh, one more question. Mm -hmm. And if you if you could imagine, we talked about the mayoral race. If there's one person that could fix San Francisco, forget you know whether they're in tech, not in tech, et cetera, you could magically just appoint someone mayor. And you can do that on election day. Who would it mm -hmm. be? Um, honestly, it could be Bill a Gates. Bill no, Gates. Bill Gates. Yeah. Okay, there we go. I think Bill Gates would also make a really amazing president. Um, I also just kind of want him to just do, I, I trust him that he's smart enough that he could just do whatever he wanted and it would probably be okay. So I want him more as like dictator more than president, I guess. I think that would probably be in our best interest at this point. I think he would be a benevolent dictator. Me? You know, I think he he would be. He would be? Okay, yeah. I would probably be pretty evil. I wouldn't go with me. Really? I would. We would have guessed you'd be benevolent also. <laughs> Mandatory tattoos of, of humpback whales. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I like it. Veronica, thank you so much for joining us today on This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley. We appreciate the time. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I decree that all people in San Francisco must have humpback whale tattoos. Are we uh, declaring you dictator? 
Well, maybe that was my impersonation of you being dictator. Uh, I see. Well, I discovered uh, today that you're a tattoo guy. I had no idea. I'm happy that after the years that we've known each other, there are still some things that you don't know about me yet. All we have to do is sit in a cramped room and invite other people in. Well, uh, maybe that's like a strategy for life that we've also learned here. Today's episode with Veronica was awesome. I mean, she's incredibly down to earth, and uh, we hope you uh, enjoyed the, the interview as much as we did. If you did enjoy it as much as we like putting it together, please head back to the app store that you found us in and rate this podcast five stars. It helps the podcast a ton. 